It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to ATL Day 1s with Jarvis and Tanitra coming up on today's show. The stash was in full effect last night. And one could say the Landry Fields era officially began Monday with the departure of John Collins. But if so, are we in a reset, a rebuild, a retool? What's next? And last but not least, and for the culture, Trent Denford is starting to smell himself. That's all coming up next right here on ATL Day 1s. Let's get it. This is ATL Day 1s, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. I want to start by saying thank you for making ATL Day 1s your first listen of the day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure that you leave us a five-star review. Really appreciate that from you in advance. ATL Day 1s is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Coming up in five minutes, a very familiar name, maybe getting the call to come back up. And I guess what? Give you a little hint, you're going to like it. But first, we got to talk about last night, T., the Braves were able to get it done, 4-1 to one against the Cincinnati Reds. I mean, I'm sorry, not the Cincinnati Reds, but the Minnesota Twins, excuse me. I'm still stuck on that series, T. I love the way they play. But um, against the Minnesota Twins last night, one of the things that I thought that was just super, super cool to see is Spencer Strider, T, seven innings, one run ball, gives up one solo home run. If you're going to give up a home run, a solo one, solo is the best, to go to, best route to go. But how about Spencer Strider able to be the guy? You know, we I always I deemed him like having been able to put on a movie, putting on a show. He put on a show last night, and I think I don't think there's anything you can better ask for from a guy like Spencer Strider, given the way he pitched last night. No, and the total domination, by the way, of the Braves of the AL Central. So I can see why you made that mistake because I think they've only dropped one game this entire season to. Yeah opponents from that particular division so understandable that you would kind of make that that uh that step back if you will although we know that's essentially but anyway my point being dominance is just seemingly who the Braves are wherever you might want to get it it just depends on that given night and like you said Marcel Ozuna two run home run Ronald Acuna Jr home run but it was Spencer Strider, and he needed that because Sonny yes. Gray was having himself a nice game too. Yeah. Six and two-thirds innings until he pulled up on Marcelo Zuno, who finally got the best of him because he was talking post-game about how he had struck him out, struck him out, struck him out, and then he finally figured him out. So thankfully, Spencer Strider finally figured it out. And what I really loved about it was, you know him, brutally honest. Hey, look, this is what happened to me. This is what happens to pitchers at this point in their career. Sometimes he gets with Rick Kranitz. He makes just a few little tweaks here and there to with that fastball and that slider. And here we are back talking about a guy that get this is the second Braves pitcher to record 140 strikeouts before the month of July in the world series era. So we're talking about the last 120 years. Only two pitchers have done that him and John Smoltz. That is such great company to be in at this early stage of your career. And then, like you said, 10 strikeouts. I mean, that's right back to form. Because the funny thing is, even when he was struggling, he was still striking guys out. So the power, the velocity, the all of that was still there. But now the command is back. And, hey, if you're going to give me a couple of dust-ups or a couple of bumps in the road, do it early, fix it, figure it out, and then let's move on. 
So that's exactly where I think we are. I think we can safely say Spencer Strider's back. Yeah, because when you think about like the last in consecutive um, starts when he had struggled, you know, he had given up five home runs, like, yeah. and people were really starting to get a beat on it. And you saw that velocity kind of tail off just a little bit. But like you said, well, he was up at 99, 99 last night. So yes. that's kind of where you want him to be. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that Jersey number, it, it will suffice. It's so, there know, for a reason. About yes. Being on the gun. So I think that when you see him go through it like that, and you talk about like all three phases, right? We talking about, you know, uh, the starting starting pitching. They haven't gotten that. Like, you know, when, when guy, you got A.J. Smith-Shaver going four innings, uh, Charlie, Uncle Charlie trying to grind it out and going five innings against the Cincinnati Reds. But when you have a guy go seven innings, T, yeah. of one-run ball, that is what you ask for, especially when you have a lineup that's hitting the ball the way they have been hitting the ball. You talk about Marcelo Zuna, right? And, and it was just funny when I was watching the game last night, when um when uh Ron, Ron, nephew Ronnie was up at, to the plate, I was just like, man, I just feel like something is about to happen because he just came up there. I think he swung at the first pitch and he was just like, oh man, he just barely missed that bad boy. Then next thing you know, a couple pitches later, boom, that bad boy going out of the park. And when you think about that from that standpoint, T, that is something that the Braves as sorely need. And then when you have that pitching coming in too, and, and from a seven innings and, and going long into game, deep into games like that. This team is almost unbeatable. Speaking of, you know, on the mound, how about this? You know, a favorite name of yours and our, uh, yours and mine, uh, Michael Soroka. He might get the call, T, because when you talk about he had some, what, seven innings of no-hit ball in AAA with the Gwinnett Stripers, that's what we like to see, T. And when you have a guy like Michael Soroka doing, going back down, getting himself together, getting his bearings together, and, and and you don't hear of any injuries or anything like that. That's why I feel like the Braves might just get that call, might give him a call to come back up and and be on the mound. And when you when when you see a guy like Michael Soroka get that call back up, you know more than likely he's going to fare well. Yeah, you're talking about the International League Pitcher of the Week, and like you said, one run, just two walks, and a season high nine strikeouts. And he was efficient with 80 pitches. So when you put that together collectively, because of course we found out yesterday that AJ Smith Sharper was called back to AAA after Sunday's game and Derek Rodriguez was called back up. Right. And so you're kind mm-hmm. of wondering, okay, what is Snit kind of doing as it relates to the pitching lineup, like the starting rotation, or are we going to have like a bullpen lineup? But then you kind of saw where the bullpen went last night, right? You saw mm-hmm. that they brought in uh Colin McHugh, and that didn't work, and they pulled him real fast. So then Quick Ben Heller comes hurt. in. <laughs> yeah, they, they did play with, with that uh, because that lead was still a very slim lead at the time. So they pull him. They bring in Ben Heller. Of course, Kirby Yates gets wild. It was amazing. First start in – first save, rather, in three years. Unbelievable. Almost three years. So you're thinking, okay, the bullpen's good to go because they have the opportunity to save Rassel Iglesias to tomorrow. So, hmm, that points a finger to the pitching staff. And that points a finger to Michael Soroka. And this is really great because I think when he was sent to triple a, most of us thought, Ooh, did they pull the trigger too soon? And most of us wondered when he'd be coming back. And so, yeah, now to get that good word that potentially, and this is coming from multiple sources who cover the Braves on a daily basis. So just to be able to hear that word from them and that there's that confidence that he could return tomorrow. Yeah. Really, really liking it. And also liking the fact that he just made progressively better starts throughout his time going back to AAA. 
Yeah, and that's that's what you like to see. Like not only performing better, like obviously, yeah, because you want to be able to help the the uh, the ball, the big club as much as possible. You know, going onto the mound, given all the injuries that the Braves are dealing with currently. Yeah. But like you said, when you're talking about clean sheet, no pain, no yeah. no uh, soreness or anything, elbow soreness or anything like that, or or ankle soreness or lower extremity soreness. When you start getting that, when that's clean, that's when you start to really think of like, okay. This guy might be able to be able to help this club sooner rather than later. Now, T, when you think about the John Collins trade, the Atlanta Hawks, Landry Fields, where are they as an organization? What does this mean? Is this beginning of uh, of a new flowery era or is this the beginning of the end? We'll talk about that next. But first, I have to let you know that this episode of ATL Day Ones it's brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the number one sportsbook in America. Guess what? You guys have been rocking with us each and every day. Coming to us, we're number one in your hearts, and you guys listen to us each and every day. You're commenting, dropping the everydayers in there, all that good stuff. Guess what? We need you to do the same for FanDuel Sportsbook because, like I said, it's number one sportsbook in America. It's fast. It's super easy to use it's secure you don't have to worry about all your information being thrown out there and all that good stuff and guess what what they have for the new customers they have the no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win so guess what if you go out there you start betting on john collins not being traded and you lose your money guess what fan dude got you covered they're gonna look out for you they got you just right there so all i need you to do right now is go to fanduel.com slash locked on that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more because it is the best, best, best place you can go. And you don't want to miss your chance to snag a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Well, you could be, if you're a betting person, you might be looking to or you could be thinking about whether or not this John College trade is the end of something or the beginning of something. What I do know is that it's the end of all of the speculation that has run rampant for three off seasons now, right? So that has come to an end, at least according to multiple sources, because we know, of course, those deals can't be consummated until July 6th, although negotiations can officially start on Friday for the 100 plus free agents in and around the association, right? But John Collins, for all intents and purposes, is no longer a Hawk. He's now a member of the Utah Jazz. They, in effect, send over Rudy Gay and a second round pick. And what that does essentially is free up the Hawks with about 25.3 mil, depending on whose report you you believe, if you will. But most of the reports still hover around that 25 mil point, which basically is something that if they want to, they can utilize it for going out into the market. But that said, is the JC trade really the end of this iteration of the Hawks, at least as currently constructed? I think so. I wholeheartedly believe so, because here's the thing. There is, you talk about a new coach coming in towards the end of the year. It was kind of like the evaluation um, period for Quinn Snyder. Like he wanted to look at these guys and say, hey, let me see who I can get my hands on. Let me let me kind of rub on these guys and talk to these guys and see what I can get out of them, squeeze out of them, out of the last 20-some uh, games or so to, uh, to end the season. So I think that, you know, given the scenario, like you mentioned earlier, John Collins being on the trade block for the past three off seasons, plus Quinn Snyder saying, you know what? 
I may or may not. And this wasn't reported. These are just my thoughts and feels. Like, it may, he may be in a situation where, like, well, this dude might not be able to fit into this, what I'm trying to do going forward. So when you think about the longest tenured heart being out the door and now Trey Young is the longer t- longest tenured heart on this roster, yeah, I think this is going to be a different iteration. I like the word that you use. It's going to be a different iteration of the Hawks going forward. And on top of that, Landry Fields, that's the first major trade that he's made, right? And, and when you think about Travis Slank going out the door and the trades that he was able to make, rebuilding like literally a whole heart rebuild, you know, or um, for this organization and getting this point to the, getting this team to the point where they can get to the Eastern Conference Finals. So I think this is the beginning of the Landry Fields era. He's talked about how, you know, he, he's willing to go into the luxury tax because of Tony Wrestler's blessings. He's got that blessing. Now, you know, we kind of got – it's kind of like wait and see mode now. Okay, what's the next move? Like, what are you going to do in return for that? Because I feel like it's going to be a situation where they're going to probably feel this in-house team because who's a guy – take you back to those last 20-some-odd games. Who's a guy that I consistently – and we've talked about this as well – that we thought he improved tremendously up under Quinn Snyder, and that's Jalen Johnson. I really feel like Jalen Johnson, if he continues to progress, he he might find himself in that starting role. Or another guy who flourished under Quinn Snyder, Sadiq Bay. Those are two names that I will keep an eye on for that power forward spot because those guys like really really look good up under the Snyder regime and what he was trying to do. So when you think about a new iteration of this team going forward, those are some of the names that you need to get familiar with right now. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of those things to where if they have to kind of piecemeal between the three and four, they can yeah. do the piecemeal between the three and four with a stretch, or you can do it between the four and five because of the guys you just mentioned. And I'll right. even throw in AJ Griffin because yes, he can absolutely. multiple positions. So I think because they have that, depth sort of um in the front court for lack of a better term but from three four five that Mm -hmm. kind of gives them the ability to say hey if we don't go out and get like this top level a lister super max guy to replace john collins we may be okay because the question becomes where do they think the biggest need truly is because at three i think they're gonna go ahead and stick with deandre hunter and just say hey he might not be the greatest, yeah. but he's solid. But I yeah. think it really also depends on what the market dictates. Because right. if the market is dictating that there is opportunity to go after another three, if you will, then mm-hmm. yeah, you'll go after three with all guns blazing. But I think we're going to see in the next few days, which three, which four, which five, which are really available. I think that's what really is that's going to be important. Like who's actually available? Because remember, the Hawks have been in conversations. <laughs> feels like the all, all other 29 and how long has it taken them to get one partner that they were finally able to consummate a deal with so to me that's like a big piece of the puzzle as well like who are you actually going to be pull, able to pull this off with granted got a little more flexibility than you had yeah. but who who can that be now the most recent report probably the one in the last day or so was with pasco siakam but again mm-hmm. Depends on whether or not the Raptors are looking to part ways with him. And I don't know that that is necessarily a foregone conclusion. That said, I think it bears a question of what you just mentioned, which is whether or not you believe which report, whether or not you believe the report that they do 
want to stay under the luxury tax and that's what the dictate has been or that there's openness. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. According to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, mm -hmm. he says the Hawks are expected to continue to be in a deal-making mode this offseason and ownership has given Landry Fields the okay to move into the luxury tax should it be necessary to approve the roster, sources said. And that was a report from Woj as of yesterday. Now, another report came out just a few days ago, also from ESPN, but this time from Brian Windhorst. He was on the Hoop Collective live draft show last Thursday, and he said Atlanta Hawks ownership has ordered their front office to get below the league's luxury tax line for next season. The Hawks are under a mandate, from what I've been told. This is Brian Windhorst. Mm -hmm. to get out of the luxury tax. They've spent a lot on signing guys. So they've got to shed some salary. So my question becomes, when you juxtapose these two reports, it really makes you think, okay, which one is the most accurate? Are the Hawks going to be aggressive in free agency and have the ability to kind of move into the luxury tax if they need to? Or is the other report more correct and other moves can be made to attract and retain some solid tap uh cap cap excuse me talent rather to remain under the cap which I way are we going i'm believing wendy I'm, I'm with wendy on this one i know Woj is you know Woj is Woj. like right. Woj bombs are a real thing and they have been 100 percent correct but i feel like i think both things can be true right you could say hey get out of this luxury tax but you know there are some still some moves to be made to stay under the luxury tax, right? You can you know um, move Clint Capella, you can move DeAndre Hunter, and I talked about the in-house replacement that they have in Jalen Johnson and Sadiq Bay at that four spot. You got Onyeka Okongwu. This was also part of uh, Walter's report. He wants he said they want to look at um, extending Sadiq Bay, Onyeka Okongwu, you know, and Jalen Johnson and Jaylen as well. Johnson, yeah. So like I'm I'm putting both of them together. I'm saying like okay. This makes sense. Like, I feel like they're going to stay under the luxury tax for this year, and they're going to continue to develop uh, Jalen Johnson and uh, A.J. Griffin and, and and try to figure out a way to get Sadiq Bay under contract for a long time, for, for, uh, for a few more years. Those are some of the things that make sense, right? Because trying to trade for Pascal Siakam, is, I will absolutely love Pascal Siakam to come in. I think that's the type of guy that, I feel like they, you can bring in to be a contender, you know, be in those conversations. But I don't feel like that's where the Hawks are headed. So I feel like there's a combination of the two. I feel like they're going to try to get some get the money right with Onyeka, Double O, uh, Sadiq, and uh, Jalen, potentially. And they're going to try to fill, fill in the gaps with the, whoever is not on this roster come next year. Because we know they're under luxury tax now. They're in the clear. But I know there's way, there are ways that they can't get even more <laughs> up under that luxury tax. Yeah, and I think that's one of those where it's interesting because it's going to be really, really kind of touch and go. Again, it kind of depends on whether or not they're going to be able to get the proper trade partners because I do believe yeah. that they can make some moves. I just think it's all about those trade partners. And it depends on whether some of those teams that are still out there and kind of in, I'll call it pseudo fire sale mode, right? I don't know mm -hmm. that these teams are in complete fire sale mode, but as an example, you look at the Blazers. And if the Blazers are in, we'll say, I want to call them pseudo fire sale mode, right? I'm not going to yeah. say they're in full fire sale mode because I do think they're still trying to decide, are they going to try to build around Dame regardless of having drafted Scoot Henderson or are they just going to blow the thing up and just you know start all over, right? So mm. you think about that as an example and you're looking at it, going back to your point about Clint Capella, and if nothing else, you can get a little bit more out of Yusuf Nurkic for a little less, about 
three, four million dollars less than you get out of Clint Capella for a little bit more production, if you will. So yeah. there might be some possibilities there, especially because they have that $25 million exception that they can work with for the next year, as long as they're utilizing it to trade. Now, of course, they can't utilize it to sign their own. So mm-hmm. it would not apply to double O, Jalen um, or, or Sadiq, but it could u- be utilized for someone on the outside. And that might be what gives the opportunity to do both. It'll be interesting to see because I, I trust that both of those sources are probably accurate on some levels. <laughs> we go. shall yep. see. But yep. everydayers, I mean, what do you want to see? Do you think that there needs to be any blockbuster trade that puts the Hawks over the luxury tax, but that also puts them in more contention to be in that top four, that top six for the Eastern Conference? Do you feel like they're going to hit the middle ground, like both of us are kind of thinking they will, where they'll try to maybe go out and get not, not a super max guy, but maybe a max guy, right? And not hit those uh, that second apron so so hard, if you will, and while at the same time trying to retain what they have? Or do you guys, because what we're talking about is a little bit of a reset. What you guys might be talking about is a rebuild. Tell us what you think. Drop a note in the chat on YouTube like you always do. We appreciate you guys for that. And, of course, don't forget to download ATL Day Ones wherever you get your podcasts. But, T, this is For the Culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, the culture, and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about because that's just what we get down on this show. Today is no different. T, when, you know, there are a lot of people, you know, who feel a certain way about Trent Dilfer's analyst abilities you know when he was at espn like as a friend of mine like he absolutely despised trent Deffer. every time okay. trent Deffer opened his mouth about football he literally turned the television off he was just that he just literally despised trent Deffer. but okay. i thought wow. trent was okay he's fine you yeah. know he ain't that big deal mm-hmm. you know whatever right. so now we know that he got into the training ranks and now he's the head coach of university of alabama birmingham uab for those you know in uh, the state of alabama he's the head coach of uab and he was doing an interview team I thought it was very interesting. That's why I kind of sent, sent this over to you. I was just like, he has some uh, very interesting comments for the big power five schools. Like basically saying, you know, hey, you guys better leave my players alone because don't stay out the DMs. Don't be going to their high school coaches and trying to talk to them and get a feel for what type of player it is. Because essentially he said, because I'm going to snitch. He's like, you know, I'm still, I still got a platform. I still know my folks over there at ESPN. So hey, if you get in my players' deals, trying to get them that get into that transfer portal, I'm coming for you. T, like, what do you make of this? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> just saying, because I just don't think that guy in Tuscaloosa gives a flying flip. If that's yeah. what he wants to do, that is what he's going to do. If he sees someone that he feels is viable for that program, he'll go. He and I'm not saying he as in he would do it himself directly, right? But yeah. if that program feels like there's somebody viable right down the street in Birmingham, I mean, they'll just go for it, right? Yeah. So I don't think Trent Dilfer makes anyone, and of course my mind is going to SEC, right? But I don't think Trent Dilfer makes anyone shiver. No, They have figured out all these years how to do things creatively, we're going to say, right? Yes. So if you figured out, right, all these years to be able to do things creatively, like why at this point in time would you all of a sudden be like, oh, wow, Trent Dilfer is going to come for us if we go after his players. <laughs> oh, wow, we better not do that. I'll wait. <laughs> T, and can I keep it funky? You know what I'm saying? Can I keep it funky for uh, for the culture? Like, 
why would they come after your players in the first place? You're yeah. at UAB. Who are you recruiting? Like, who are you getting down you, there? Uh, like, you, you, they <laughs> almost, they didn't have a program for a couple right, of years. Exactly. Look, come on. Like, they're crying like, out loud. Yeah. And, you know, there may be one or two. They took they a chance cherry. on you, sir. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and they, there may be one or two players, you know, that get cherry-picked by some Power 5 school. Of course, but yeah. It happens from time to time. at the end of the day, um, I don't know if, I mean, and, I, and so here's the other piece I was thinking, too. Mm-hmm. I wonder who the message is really for. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, you have to know the coaches aren't afraid of you. Those power fives aren't afraid of you. I mean, is this for your players to kind of let them know, like, yeah, we come hard in the paint. We blazers. We come hard in the paint. Like, is that for them? Or is that for their moms so that they know that you're – Taking the best you care. Stand on the tabletops and all yeah, that and that stuff. you're, you know, your their best interest is <laughs> is at heart. Like, okay, I'm just sorry, guys. I'm I'm confused, but but that's okay. I mean, yeah. Trent Dilfer, you know what? Go hard in the paint. Yeah, it, and let me add one more little thing to it before we move on. Like Trent, like and then because he's because he was saying like, yeah, I don't want to coach at a power five school. You know, I'm in Birmingham. I'm tr- entrenched here. Blah blah uh-huh. blah blah blah. Uh-huh. And for a second, T, I believed him. For a small second, I was like, you know what? Dude don't make a lot of bread. You know what I'm saying? Like, NFL quarterback, worked at ESPN. Sure, that check was nice over there, too. You know what I'm saying? Doing the training thing with the quarterbacks. I'm sure that check was nice. But, T, one thing we know, money talks and bull crap walks. If he could, by some miraculous, you know, uh, happenings, if he were to go to that win seven games in back-to-back years, and guess what? Uh, shoot, Miami doggone on fire their head coach. And they say, hey, uh, you want to come down here? We got about seven, eight million dollars per year for you. You think he ain't going to take that doggone job? Right. <laughs> like, come on, dog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, keep, People, keep it funky, man. Yeah, like, stop making promises. Stop yeah, it. Stop yeah, it. Yeah. Because all of us aspire to continue to, to elevate. In our careers, well, Absolutely. most of us, I should say, I shouldn't say all, but most people do aspire <laughs> yes. to elevate. And if you aspire to elevate, like Power Five really is that next level. So don't don't go out there making all those promises, and then two years later, like you said, he gets back to back seven win seasons, and some struggling Power Five school thinks that he can bring them back to prominence, and they come knocking. Don't tell us you're not going to answer the door. Yeah, stop, stop playing, stop, yeah. stop, just stop, stop just it. stop. Real quick, T. Um, they said there's a report star that I think it was Mike Florio uh, came out and said that uh, the NFL is going to force the Jets to do hard knocks. Like, does this move the media for you at all? Now, one more time. Am I supposed to care about this one too, or no? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's for the culture. Like, like you said, yeah, it's whatever I, the hell, how you feel, how you, what, what we talk I, about. I don't you know what I'm care. Like, I've yeah. never watched the show. Don't plan on watching it. <laughs> you know, it is what it is, but. I feel like, wow, that should tell the league something. Like, you had to force yeah. a team. You have 32 oh. teams, and there are at least nine who have not participated, if not more. Right. And you had to force a team into it. Now, of course, it's all about money, so there has to be some, you know, bottom line tied to it that works for the NFL. But I don't know. It just seems like, especially with some of the issues that you have with people questioning the culture within the NFL and within certain franchises, like. Of course. Yeah, I, mm. but hey, I know there will be some people who are watching yes. because they just like to peek into debauchery, foolishness, and chaos, which could very well be the case now that they have that guy under center. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Stop trying to force Aaron Rodgers down my throat, people. Yeah. That's, like, yeah. 
he's not Aaron Rodgers. Like that is he's a shell of himself at this point. With a little bit, like, you know what? That was extreme. He's a a, a little above a shell of yeah. himself. Like you can still give you some greatness for maybe five or six games, but you're gonna see that shell come out at some point during this 17 game season. So yeah, because, and it's the Jets. It's the freaking Jets. Yeah. Like, of course he's gonna do New York stuff. They're like the Jets and the Mets. Like they're in the same category. Yeah, Jets are gonna jet. Yes, absolutely. Jets are gonna jet. We hope you don't jet on us, you know, by making ATL Day Ones your first listen today. Really appreciate you guys and all our everydayers. Make sure you drop a comment in the comment box and download wherever you download your podcast. And coming up tomorrow on the show, guys, we're gonna keep an eye on whether or not Michael Soroka is gonna be confirmed as the starter for tomorrow. So, yes, make sure you come back for that and we will get into all of that on ATL Day 1s right here. And last but not least, before we get out of here, people, if you don't do anything else with your life, you know, I make sure. You see that smile on Tanisha's face? You know what I'm about to say. Make sure, make sure, make sure, make sure that you share love, show love, and most importantly, spread love. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.